0: welcome welcome timmy
1: how you going Bernie? fucking good to finally be here
0: i know dude it's awesome to have you Hell yeah. we were just talking about uh drum sounds <sighs> so i'll let you just keep going on because you were talking about snare sounds and fucking and your room sound as well yeah which is interesting because you record your drums in that um, studio room and how you said it's got the tall ceiling, but ah, it's, it's a ten foot ceiling. Was nah, it?
1: it's it's small as fuck. It's like oh, it's tiny. It's like three by six meters, and then yeah, it's like it's a really fucking. I think it's like eight foot the ceiling. So like unless you're uh, true, unless you're like well, like if you've got nothing. Basically, I remember the day that I put my um, Yamaha HS fives in there, like <laughs> with nothing at all in it, and I was like wow, that sounds like absolute trash. I have so much work to do. You know, like, so usually, like, because it's a bot, yeah. everything's just going to, like, reflect off each other in the worst way possible and also cause this thing called comb filtering. So if you hit a fucking snare, it's going to go... It, it literally sounds, like, out of phase. Like, it's... So, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I've spent many years... Dude,
0: we have... We've got that problem with our snare. We've got, like... It always just sounds like... Uh thin paper thin no matter where we mic it up from and it's all we always use a 57 but the, the snare itself sounds good but it's just like for whatever reason the overheads carry it and then as soon as we like pull in the actual snare mic it does nothing hmm. it just sounds like maybe a little bit clearer which is yeah weird.
1: Maybe that's like, yeah, probably a phase issue. But yeah, I mean, that shit's always like, yeah, the fucking worst when you don't, you sort of start out and you don't know what you're doing. It's just so confusing because as soon as you put more than one fucking microphone up there, it's just like, wow, I need to worry about the mic placement. I need to worry about the position because even though like it could be in phase, then you need to like, have a centre image of the snare in your overheads and stuff. Otherwise, you have, like, a snare that's panned off to the fucking left and shit. Like, it's just – it's so stressful. But yeah, also yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking rewarding once you do get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, when you get a good sound, it's pretty sick. Do you exactly. want to run me through how you mark up your drums or do you just – do you run – do you uh, change them every time based on what you want?
1: Um, Basically, like, I started off um, – trying to minimize, well, like, you know, there was a stage where I only had, like, fucking two inputs or something, so I had to be like, oh, cool, one's going to be a mono overhead and one's going to be a kick mic, you know, I can't have anything else, you know, so, like, like obviously, you can make that sound good, but, like, it didn't sound good because <laughs> I had, I probably would have been running, like, one yeah, road yeah. with one, or NT2 and, like, whatever I had for a kick mic and had no fucking idea what I was doing. But um, basically, like... Sort <laughs> basically, just sort of, like, started to build it up. I tried to do a thing where it's just, like, I'm not recording any more mics I can, until I can make two sound good. Then it's like, all right, cool, now I know how to do that. I'm going to make three sound good, four sound good, five sound good. And then it came to a point when it was, like, I just used whatever I fucking had and ended up like, well, now I'll just use seven microphones. Um, I'd like like to use more, but like, I don't have any more stands to do. <laughs> I don't have a stand. <laughs> a stand bottom. Like, why don't do you do a stand? Whatever I have? Like, I'm like, because I don't have any more stands. I ain't got no more room. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Um, you have to yeah.
0: get Craig to fucking just sit there holding it.
1: Yeah, exactly, just just holding the snare bottom, yeah. So it's all just a matter of, like, once, because, like, I'm a guitarist, really, but, like, over the last few years, all I give a fuck about is drums now, and um, you slowly just have to start building your collection and knowing what you're doing first. So, like, I'm at a point now where I can't, like, I've got enough, like, ins and outs to make some more mics happen, but I just feel like I haven't needed it yet. But, yeah, it's usually just, um, so, like, two yeah. Two shitty-ass Tom mics, like, they're literally, like, these short PGA things, and, like, I want better ones, but I just haven't been able to afford them. But if you know how to EQ that shit after the fact, then it's fine. They're just fucking microphones, really. Um, Seven for the snare. Um, is an Audix D6 for the kick-in. No kick-out, just don't have another fucking stand. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I've experimented a lot with overheads, but I end up using... um, Rode M5s for those, they're like $400, 500 for repair. they're fucking great, not too bright and stuff, and um, yeah. then I use a warm, uh, it's called a U47, uh, and it's basically based off, of, it's a clone of a Neumann U47, and I just whack that out in the shed for a room mic, and that's pretty much the sound really, yeah, it's just like, yeah. just the way you make it sound and the way you position it, you know, I always just say like, it's your, it's your ear, not the gear. And like, you know, I've had all this shit for so long. Yeah, for sure. I've had all this shit for so long and I've made it sound so fucking bad and now I can make it sound good. It just proves that it's all technique, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's probably learning your mics as well, like learning where the frequencies are so that you can EQ them properly and like bring the best out of them. Exactly. that's probably another problem having too many mics is like you've got to actually learn about them.
1: Yeah, totally, and, uh, like, having good uh, baffles and stuff and knowing how to position those because, like, sometimes I remember back in the day, like, I would hate the overtone of a snare ring and I'd, like, just deaden it, you know, and you have tape and all that, and then, like, when I hear it back, I was like, why is not my snare sound energetic? It's like, because I've literally deadened it to the point where there's actually no overtone, you know, like, and that's actually, that's where... That's where drum tuning comes into it. That's where I think it's like, as soon as I learned how to do that, it was the most important fucking thing ever because you can do cool shit like save your songs in the key of A, then you can tune your stare in the key of A. So when you're hitting it, it's literally like the overtone is pleasant because it's in the key of the song, like all cool shit like that.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So do you go through and just treat every single drum – before you do the recording for the song that you want? Like you know what key it's in and then you just go around and tune them?
1: Um, No, not so much. No, I just like um, it's a technique I have used before and just tried out, but it's just like whatever sounds good really. Like it depends. It's all genre dependent. Like if I'm recording a pop punk song or something, then I want a snappy or higher tuned snare. And then like if I'm recording some Americana or something country, then... I'm going to whack. I just whack a big fat snare on it, which basically just makes it a big thuddy Tom Petty sounding detuned snare. Yeah, those things are sick. It's pretty sick. Yeah. All
0: of the um the recordings on all the Rage. Like, remember the first time I listened to it? I listened to it at work, and I had um like headphones on like this, and I was listening to it. And I'm like, fucking hell, the boys have nailed it. And then I went back and listened to it again, and all of the recordings in it were just so like crispy and clean. But it sounded like everything was just in the right spot. Like, yeah. there was no, like, when the drums were playing, you could hear guitars and the bass wasn't getting in the way of the kick and all this uh, shit like that. Yeah. Which I was like, fuck, that's like that's, a... That's the like, genius. But that's obviously all in the mixing and EQing.
1: Yeah, that's the genius of Anton Hagoff. Um, yeah, that guy's worked uh, on with Silverchair and Powderfinger and stuff. And we've always sort of, like, just wanted to pull out a mixer from, like, you know... It's, it, I don't know, I haven't really heard his name out there that much and when we discovered him and realised the stuff that he had done had been like all our childhood favourites and we're just like, this is just like a bit of fate here and like now we're like good friends with him, like hanging out with him and stuff and like, it's just unbelievable the sounds he can pull.
0: That's so sick. Yeah. Greg was telling me about your trip up to um, the Blue Mountains and like checking out his fucking, um, his rigs and stuff. Sounds like a legend
1: yeah he's a legend <clears throat> all unfortunately that whole uh experience is all kind of silence
0: <laughs> that's fair enough yeah like, <laughs>
1: it's, it's like you know he's like here's all my secrets and then just like it's like don't fucking tell anyone i was like okay this is stored in my brain now
0: <laughs> well that's fair enough as well i mean fucking out sounds like a weapon
1: yeah it was pretty wild. So
0: as um like
1: yeah. yeah, it was pretty wild to, um like, uh, be in that room and, like, you know, say, go out to the toilet or something, and me and Craig would look around and see all these, like, powder finger gold records and silver chair, were just like, that's right, that's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so good, dude. Have you listened to the Silverchair podcast? That one where he's like... Um, where he's just like going through the whole silver chair experience. But he talks about all the albums, which is sick, and he talks about the producer that he works with when he did, um, what was that album, the one with all the colours in it?
1: Neon Borum.
0: I forgot now. Um, Neon. No, no. Um, uh, diorama? No, the, thir- the one that after that, oh. Diorama, yeah. And he had like that guy come in and he was like an orchestral producer. Yeah. And then he was just, like, translating all of the ideas to the, to the piano and stuff. Couldn't play piano. And then, yeah. well, like, barely. And then he's just like, yeah, oh, I want to do this. And then <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I had, I, had, I haven't listened to the podcast. I've heard a lot about it. But I've watched the actual – there's YouTube footage on the making of that album. And I've watched that, like, twice. So it's so sick.
0: Yeah, it's fucking nuts,
1: dude.
0: Um, how'd you get into music?
1: It's just been fucking literally – around my life the whole time. Like, um, I, it was skateboarding music that sort of just went hand in hand when I grew up. My parents are fucking legends. And they, yeah. like, the first records they showed me were like Sabbath Pink Floyd and fucking like Rose Tattoo and Led Zeppelin and shit. Like, I, I'm so, so grateful that it's not just like these two parents that like, couldn't give a shit about music, and then you discover music yourself and you listen in a fucking pink and while like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, you lot, don't
0: understand, like, epic music.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, like, I'm so grateful to be able to grow up and all that shit. And, you know, like, so sort of, like, once they yeah. showed me all that stuff, uh, I guess it was sort of, like, it went from punk then into metal. Like, so that was, like, the first sort of music that I discovered myself, like, I'd get into, like, Green Day. Like, it was all fucking Green Day and stuff. And then, like, if it wasn't Green Day, it would then go to Metallica yeah. and then, like, stem off into all fucking other bullshit. But there's always been, like... I think it's awesome how, like, there's bands like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Metallica, blink Two, all that. And you can go back to and listen to it now, and you literally just discover more shit. Like, it never fucking gets shit. But then there could be a band, like, that yeah. I discovered when I was like a teenager, like Newfound Glory, and I'd be like, oh, I fucking love this band. I listen to it now. I was like, I cannot stand this shit. This is so lame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the classics, they don't die, though.
1: No, nah, exactly. Food yeah. Fighters is another example of that, yeah.
0: Yeah, they just literally age so well.
1: It was all just my parents really getting me into music, and uh, my dad, like, owned, like, Uh, like two guitars or something and he didn't like really force that on us. We sort of just like picked it up one night after going to a mate's house and he was showing us like Smoke on the Water or Dirty Deeds or something and we were just like, oh, electric
0: guitar, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love that. Did you have any bands that like pretty much you'd you'd play their music and then um, learn their solos and try and um – learn guitar through them or did you just sort of like just play your own music and write songs and grow that way as a muso?
1: Um So I sort of didn't really have guitar lessons until a certain point. And then my mom like um, introduced us to this guy called Chris Galera and he sort of just taught us a bunch of rhythm and stuff like that. Like I, never, I remember I'd be trying to like, you know, look up tabs to Stairway to Heaven. and I was like fucking just like trying to do this shit. I'm like, no, I can't fucking do this yet. So I needed to learn and, um, Yeah, I guess, yeah, it didn't really happen until after I had guitar lessons and then once that happened, I'd be like working out fucking, you know, I'm trying to make myself seem cool here, but I wasn't. I'd be working out Trivium songs. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Literally,
1: like, my first biggest phase, apart from, like, the Green Day shit, was, like, a metalhead, like, and that is what I feel, like, separated me like my brother would be you know going out with girls and I didn't know what the fuck that meant kissing girls doing all this stuff everyone would be doing this and I'd be sitting there just fucking working out fucking metal songs and learning how to be a fucking shredder <laughs>
0: yeah because like Willie's got like a blues a blues essence about him that's sort of like he's like loves that like feel of music where you sound like he got more of a technical approach to guitar yeah the solo sunday stuff was just like i was like fucking hell they they, they were like proper lines like
1: yeah yeah um yeah will because uh as much as like my parents showed us classic rock like uh, my dad's appreciation is all for blues and um like i remember like them like taking us to like um blues nights and stuff where you'd like get up and jam on stage with people so like I mean, since Day Dot, man, and it's been like key of A, and you fucking have to like be thrown in the deep end and solo over it. So like we've had a lot of experience, all that shit. And I guess like that stuck with Wilmore. I just wanted to be more of like a metalhead and like my punk music and stuff. And I'm sure I'll get, grow a, like, it's not like I don't like blues, but my brother's like obsessed with that. And that's in his blood where I'm just all about more like the rock side of things. Like, oh, I want to be fucking Billy Joe, I want to be Dave Grohl, all that shit, you know, like, and
0: yeah 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 it's way better Feel it feels like whatever whatever feels good is like the right answer like there's no right and wrong when it comes to people's taste it's like if as long as it's genuine and you genuinely feel the music you're playing you can't go wrong i don't reckon yeah
1: exactly you can smell bullshit put it that way
0: yeah you definitely can as soon as you sniff it it's fucking game over i'm like i'm out of it yeah so how did you get to the to the point of loser from a kid so you, like, what was the path there, the journey from um, for music for you?
1: A lot of fucking bands, really, like trying to discover it. So, like, in short, I was in a metal band called Into Oblivion. I'll link you to some stuff on YouTube. It's pretty fucking hilarious. None of us could sing, so we just, like, played instrumental metal riffs that were as hard as they could possibly be. Um, and then from there, I think Thank it was, you. like, 2010, I joined a pop punk band called Apart From This, And that sort of like took on its own thing where I met a bunch of people and then like over the years it sort of like flourished into more of a like getting into alternative rock sort of stuff. And then we sort of like, you know, jump a few years and we're like, we're lucky enough to get on a tour with the Bennys and stuff. And, you know, then we started to get some more tours with like, you know, international bands and... I guess after that band broke up because everyone was a bit sick of it sort of I went back into my like 70s rock stage and um was just playing shit like Sabbath and like doomy stuff instrumental 70s rock and after that broke up and I was sort of sick of that I was like all right cool now it's time to go back to the like genre like just rock that I just love so much and um I sort of uh just sent some music like a demo to Craig and my mate Chris Cowburn and they were just like let's fucking jam this shit and like within like what um a month or something we had like an EP together and then we recorded that and then that was the stud of Loser yeah
0: nice dude and the first one was Loser the self-titled yeah yeah gates, okay, pretty strong yeah
1: um, yeah, it wasn't the first song I wrote, but that was the first single we had. And then, yeah, that like led on to be on the Restless Noise EP. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, nice, sort of, that was sort of, in my eyes, like a continuation from what was left over from apart from this in a way, you know what I mean? Like there was sort of like, it was sort of like a maturer version of it.
0: Yeah. Well, I reckon now you've hit that, the, the Oasis period now. It's sort of like w- winded back to like, like, um, more of like a, a chiller sort of uh, melodic vo- version of rock with like harmonies and stuff in it. Do you harmonize your own voice for, or, or is it the boys? Yeah. Yeah,
1: um, it really depends because sometimes me and Craig are all about like what sounds like a backing vocal because maybe if it's like a bit higher, usually I have a bit of rasp behind it. Sometimes like it's weird because me and Craig's voice when we like harmonize almost sound the same in a way. But um, most of the time, I'll be doing it myself. We think it needs to be a little softer than Craig's going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sort of just um, depends on it. But, like, as you were saying just before that with, like, how it's gone into a more, more melodic thing, it's, like, I think a lot of things that bands don't really do, which they should do, is have, like, a certain starting point where they know there's going to be longevity after the fact. You know what I mean? So it's, like, we had a bunch of, like, real stadium rock sounding songs like but it's like if you just go for that straight away then you've got nowhere else to go from there you know what i mean so like if we've got like the sort of like pop punk influence a bit like you know more power chords and weezer then from there we can go to a more like smashing pumpkins 90s alt rock thing where we're starting to showcase a bit more of our like skills but then it can just be like upskilled from there you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah, you've always got somewhere so, to go. Like,
1: it's not just like, "Hey, that band just changed overnight." It's like, no, you can see the progression slowly.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You don't want to be drip feed. You don't. You want it to be like a slow progression. So it's like, like me and Scotty always used to talk about it. There's like too far down um, from what, far away from what people know. It's considered weird and out, and it's outcast and it's not ready. And then too much of the same and familiar is considered boring. And it's like literally somewhere in the center that you got to like make it. A little bit more, like out there, challenging for people to listen to, but it's still got like familiarity, so that that's like, so that it's like, yeah, um, like homey. Because like any music that I listen to, as long as it's got something about it that I'm like, oh, that's that's exciting, like something that happens in the song where I'm like, that was cool, caught me off guard in some way, and that then I'm like, I'm I'm hitting that, like that's in a playlist, and I can listen to that over and over again. But if exactly. it's too much on the other side, but. See, it's like not always true though as well because we've been listening to a lot of ambient music because I love soundtracks and like mm. I love like the way music can like you know if you put put some fucking music in your ear and go for a walk like depending on where you are that's like sound it's like your own movie kind of thing you like soundtrack the music kind of take you and make you feel that way when you're walking around you know so like ambient music right. kind of does the same thing but it's like personalized it's not like music theater like fucking soundtracks and shit like that it's like its own. Um, it's its own thing personalized. But you can, if you listen to one, like I'll send you a couple after this and you get into a place that you like, somewhere that's that's cool and you drink a few wines or whatever and then you literally just have this thing on and you're just chilling. Like I've listened to the same one like 10 times in a row now and as soon as it comes on, I'm just like, I fucking love, it's like there's no no one sort of intruding on it, no one's voice, you know, it's literally just my own thing that I've figured out in my head that I listen to and I love and I've like tailor-made it to me. Yeah.
1: yeah, I try to listen to a lot of, um, like, when I'm, like, so sick of rock, I was like, all right, cool, I'm going to listen to soundtracks, whatever. And I remember yeah. <clears throat> I, was in, uh, I was in these headphones, and they're so wide. I was falling asleep listening to the Fantasia soundtrack, and I was just like, ah, fucking hell, there's too much panning. There's so much <laughs> going on. <laughs> I was so fucking stoned as well, and I was just like, ah, ah fucking <laughs> stressful
0: yeah. to listen to <laughs> it's so intense sometimes i can take you on a full journey like you can just go through like a massive one where you, it starts off really nice and then all of a sudden just horrible dark shit starts happening and whatever you're thinking about you're like it, it fucking wigs you out and you, you, you start on getting like a bit scared and shit and then it like changes and it goes back and you're like oh it's like you're traveling
1: <laughs> Yeah, big time. That's why, I, that's why i love pink floyd so much um the, um, all the like uh, sound design stuff like I'm obsessed with that shit mm. like it could be like so that's one thing I want to build to eventually through records it's like having like yeah it would be like a lyric and then it's like broken glass and planes flying everywhere but it has to suit it it has to be yeah. epic enough for it to yeah, work yeah
0: for sure like a nice concept album
1: yeah it's not like you know a metal breakdown it's yeah. like fucking <laughs> like nothing like that <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> but that, that's how you can get creative because like metal, like glass breaking in, in a metal breakdown, like, yeah. just like you can just come up with outside ways to make it cool as fuck. But like with the soundtrack yes. thing, you could just have like a cool album is literally, you know, you have like a nice soundtrack but then you have your music over the top of it and, but, and they just gelled together well. Like you can sort of like for me, that's kind of what I'm sort of trying to steer towards. But like that kind of music's literally, you know, it's it's travelling music. I reckon. Like when you're in a car or you're going somewhere, and it's sort of like, you know, when you hear a song like from your childhood, and you're like, oh, I remember where I was when this thing happened. You, you were in this particular place. And um, I was wondering, what 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 are your travelling music like? What music do you listen to when you're on a plane or whatever?
1: Um, mostly my own mixes or own demos or <laughs> whatever's sort of new at the time. I mean, I was on a plane the other day and I've been smashing out the new Kendrick album. Like, I hate rap music. I'm like the whitest boy when it yeah. comes to rap. Like I had Eminem records when I was a kid, but nothing else has ever phased me until um, To Pimp a Butterfly came out. And once that came out, I was just obsessed. Yeah. And like, yeah, I've like fully invest in it, read every lyric. And, you know, I think he's an absolutely on the fucking same dude. genius. So that's.
0: That's my favorite album of all time. That's one I would consider number one for me.
1: It's a pimple butterfly.
0: Yeah.
1: Fucking huge! What a great record, dude!
0: It's so sick. The way it's like crafted.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, like the whole. I've not seen
0: you Kendrick on there.
1: Oh, dude! It's it's mm. next level. It's fucking but like what I like. What I feel is that, like, if you, I don't know if you have Apple Music, but you can just, like, read along the lyrics, like, all that sort of shit. It's just so good. Mm. It makes it so much more like, oh, my God, yeah, this is really creative.
0: Yeah. Has he got a theme going on like he does with the other ones? Oh, yeah. Maybe don't ruin it for me. I'll I'll be fucking hanging on to every (laughs) word.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to ruin it for you. You just got to go into it. The, the There's two discs and the first disc is like f- incredible. Second one, not so much yet, but I feel like I just need to dive into it a bit more.
0: Yeah, you got to listen to shit a few times to understand it sometimes. Like t- some some albums are just like that. You don't get them first shot. A lot of Radiohead's like that, I reckon.
1: Yeah, Radiohead's, uh, fuck, uh, fuck. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the first time I heard OK Computer, I would have been like, what the fuck is this whiny bullshit? And now it's like definitely <laughs> in the top ten favourite albums. Same thing as like In Rainbows, yeah. all that. Craig's going to yeah. love how much we're talking about his favourite band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were chatting about Radio the other day with Craig and Craig was just like roasting him. I was, I was like, true. I can understand now. I can understand how some people just fucking hate Radio. But I'm just an absolute sucker for him.
1: So you he yeah, listening, crazy, it's,
0: uh, Yeah. Cop that. Um, it's, it's
1: funny because he can judge us on that and then his favourite bands are Dream Theater and fucking The Darkness. <laughs>
0: yeah. I like, know, which is you, super man. complex. Dream Theater is a fucking, uh, like, that is so tricky. They're just an old school giz. Well, they're not. They're, more, they're probably way more complex, but yeah
1: it's it's not everyone's yeah. cup of tea. it's just funny how like yeah can be into yeah, radio and he absolutely hates that
0: <laughs> yeah finance contrast um how do you write songs when you sit down? do you like doing them in a, in the studio or do you just wherever you are at the time
1: um it really depends like I feel like the best songs come with me like having an idea down the street and I'm like singing voice memos on the train and like if I'm excited to get home and do something, I just know that that's going to be the one. If I sit down right now and I'm like cool, I'm going to open a session and I'm going to force myself to write a song, it's never going to be good, it just never works out for me. Fair enough. So,
0: so do you come with so melody like, first?
1: <clears throat> yeah, like I think the better songs that I've written or the ones that I think are good anyway, are all it's all melody. I feel like if you don't have good structure and you don't have good melody, I don't want to fucking listen to your song.
0: <laughs> For sure, dude.
1: You know, I mean? like it's just...
0: melody the king. I
1: think, yeah, melody is king. And then if like, you know, vocals are make or break, like if, there's, if the melodies are amazing and the vocals suck, then I hate that too, but <laughs> it's like hard ass when it comes to
0: it there's so many bands that like there's like, if they just have a absolute banging song like one hit wonder sort of sort of status you know then they're just like Mm. people just ignore that and they're like this song's so fucking good and then but it's always just so hard to follow up with it unless there's just like real crazy good talents within the band as well so i think that's like a part of a cult following like you got to love you gotta love like the band, like everything about it, not just one song that you hear on the radio. Just sort of tricky, but
1: yeah, no, big time. Yeah, it's 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 funny because there could be like you know I discover a lot of bands that um, could have a one hit wonder, like uh, I don't know, for in, instance, Goo Goo Dolls, like you know, um, and then you actually like discover that they've got like all these amazing like. Alternative rock songs and these crazy ballads, but like you don't see that side of the band because you think it's all about Iris and fucking Slide, you know.
0: <laughs> For sure, yeah. How did you get into? How did you end up writing um, on the edge? That song's my favorite loser song. Um,
1: uh, that's actually a cool story. Um, so like that was like in like the peak of lockdown, and um, basically I wanted to. I wanted to craft what I thought would be like a 2000s video hits sort of song. So, like, I basically had, like, a TV out in the shed and I'd play um, this old video hits, like, nostalgic playlist, you know. It could be anything from um, Eminem to fucking, I don't know, whatever else was going on in that time, you know. I was heavily influenced by the song Rock in the Suburbs. And, like, what I wanted to do differently was have, like, a really – Complicated, almost rappy verse. You know what I mean, like that, or like tell you what it's like to be in a like. That's not something I'd usually do, but um. So it was like, all right, we're gonna incorporate the best parts of everything, sort of vibe. So like, it it was really like thought out in terms of like because a lot of the pop and stuff that was going on back then was produced by Max Martin, and he's all about like, okay, if you've got a really busy verse, then the pre-chorus then needs to be simpler and then the chorus is going to be dumb as fuck. So like if you listen back to it now, you'll notice that there's a pattern where it's like it keeps you going because, yeah, there's a pattern really. And that's what makes it so special by having like following those certain rules and then like pairing it with like what you already know and stuff. Like it's a real Beatlesy sort of chord progression at the same time. But yeah, it basically just like, You know, spent like I spent a lot of time on that song. Just but the rather than just trying to be like, all right, let's see what I'm going to write. It was literally just like watching all these videos and being like, all right, what are they doing? Why is this so popular? Basically,
0: yeah. So you studied the the old school music, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it was um, all about the 2000s because that's probably like one of my favorite periods of music. Like you know, a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, you know, fucking, I grew up on 90s. It's like no, I was born in 93. It's just like I'm not trying to be cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll cover that later. Now, if you find a genre, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You. Yeah. So, did you study? Did you go back through and um, study old like Beatles music and like all your favorite albums and try and learn what they're playing on guitar and like turn it into music? Like understand it in music theory so that you can recreate it, or do you just like when you learn another song, do you learn the the chord structure so you can play it for yourself?
1: Nah, it was more so that was already embedded in me so it was just like I knew that like basically I'll take something like it will start off like a simple chord progression but then I'm just like how can I make the voicing cooler so I seem like I actually know what I'm fucking doing you know what I mean it's like I'm not gonna play power chords unless it's completely necessary you know like um most of the time like it's basically whatever the song calls for like and that's sort of like it comes back to that longevity thing it's just like you know you've seen all the um the Solo Sundays stuff. And you can see that I'm showing off. But am I doing that in the record? No, because it doesn't fucking need it. You don't want to hear this crazy ass fucked up solo over like an, a cool like pop rock song because it doesn't need it. But then when there's a time where it does need it, people will be like, oh, okay, cool. We've seen this now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to play it play to the actual song itself.
1: Exactly. Like a lot of people be, would trick, be like, man. oh, cool. That's- our guitarist is sick. Our guitarist is so cool. Let's fucking just give it 110% right now. Let's like, oh, there's fucking sweeps over this pop punk song. You're just like, no. Nah.
0: <laughs> Unless you blend the style well. Because, like, sometimes you could probably come across one where that there's just something in there, you know what you're getting, and then all of a sudden you're like, fucking hell, I wasn't expecting that. Like this crazy wah solo over the top of a punk, pop punk song would be kind of like maybe a cool contrast. I don't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. It just really depends on... Um, does it suit it? Because there's been times where Craig has made me do something skits, and I'm just feeling like, that sounds fucking badass, but it doesn't suit the song at all. And I'm not here trying to show off, I'm trying to craft the song the way it should be.
0: Mm. True. What kind of gear were you using throughout um, all the rage? Like, were you, you were using the Helix throughout the whole thing yet? Yeah?
1: <clears throat> yeah, so um, the, the, the drums were recorded so weirdly, right? So, um, because nobody could get to my house, and I sort of wasn't at a stage yet where I wanted to record drums, I um we did them at the this place called Holes and Corners where we recorded our last album, Mindless Choice. So it was like at the point where like you couldn't really talk to each other. You had to just wear a mask and be in the other room, and would be on FaceTime. And if there was a kick and snare pattern that was wrong, it was sort of just like that's what we have to do. So it was fucking awful experience recording the drums and stuff there. And then me and Craig would just literally just go back. I reckon the drums took over like a few months to like book in sessions between like everything shutting down and coming back in. So it was not a fun experience. And there's also two different drummers on that record as well. But um, the basically yeah, everything yeah. was recorded through a helix. And then the microphone would have been the warm... Uh, u 47 So yeah, there's nothing nothing crazy man. Like we sent the stems yep. to Anton all the multi tracks and he was like what did you record the guitars with? They sound amazing. He was like it's fucking Line 6 Helix.
0: <laughs> That's so crazy dude. It's funny that he wouldn't have been able to tell as well cuz like he, like someone with a with an ear like that can't tell that the Helix is like replicas and stuff. It's pretty insane. They've got it they've got that technology really good at the moment.
1: Exactly. Like, you can't really hear air being pushed on a record. I mean, live it's completely different, but, um, like, it just is what it is. And I've always hated the name Line 6, but, like, once they came out with this shit and I heard it, I was just like, this is just making life ten times easier. And you don't have to worry about pedals breaking or having patch leads and all that shit. Like, as cool as that is, like, I've done that, mm. I've been there, but, like, it's all about how it fucking sounds, not how it looks. I mean, have you watched lose a live, you'd be like fucking they use them set top boxes for their heads and stuff it looks fucking like some elon musk shit but it sounds great so that's all we care about
0: <laughs> yeah no nah, it definitely does when you sit down have a like just play on your own do you use your uh, your like valve amps and stuff or do you use the helix as well
1: yeah just just usually use the helix or whatever's closest to me but like to be fair dude i don't really play any guitar i just play drums And practice getting drum sounds, like drums is... I mean, I've always played a bit of drums, and I've never really been taught, but, like, throughout lockdown and stuff, like, it was all just, like, sit down and learn how to fucking make drums sound as good as possible.
0: Mm, True. What kind of kid have you got? Yeah. uh,
1: um, I've got a Yamaha Stage Custom, and... Sort of bought that during lockdown and uh, taught myself, like, you know, had to learn, like, what skins worked and what snare worked and all that, like, symbols, all that shit. Basically, yeah, just sort of just try to, like, find out what was right for my room and stuff. It was, uh, it was a pretty fucked process. Like, you end up hating a lot of things and, uh, like, always have, like, this, um, Certain like bar that I like always set myself at. Like, I always want to compare myself to the greats, but like, then I listen back to a Beatles record with like two microphones. It's just like, well, that drum sounds not that great, but it works yeah. for the song, you yeah.
0: know? <clears throat> for sure, dude. And it depends exactly what you want. Like, we've gone through stages with our drumming, drum recordings where we've just over mic stuff and we've put, um, We've got eight channels on this input to, on this monitor interface that we've got, so we've used eight channels, but it's been unnecessary. Like we've, I've pretty much axed the the toms. I use one kick, one snare, and then two overheads, and then sometimes literally just go between, like use this little fat mic that sits underneath the ride in between the kick, the uh, rack tom, and the snare. And it just picks up like yeah. the, the the body within the like all the rack toms and stuff. Uh, they
1: call it like a dick mic or something.
0: Is it a dick mic? <laughs> I've heard fat mic, but I might swap it up to dick mic. Yeah, d-
1: dick mic. I thought it gets that like fat sound or whatever. But yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, that's sick. And we've and it's like a less is more pro- Like don't even mic up the, the toms anymore. But they sort of sound cool. They don't have to be the big boomy toms for every single every single song. And also just been playing around with distortions and um, saturation and like just different drum sounds. And sometimes they sound way better when they're fucked up and then you leave them on there, like the plugins on there to make them fucked up. And then you, when you take them off, you listen to the song, you're like, ooh, it changes the character of it. And yeah, like, yeah, it's just sort of experimenting, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's crazy that like literally like when you come to realise that drums is all... If you have a fucked drum sound and vocal sound, then your mix is never going to be good. (laughs) It doesn't matter who fucking mixes it. Like, unless they completely replace it with samples.
0: (laughs) What were the go-to samples for um, All The Rage when you went for them? What what sound were you going for?
1: So I had no say in any of that. It was all all Anton, so I didn't mix that record or anything. So... um, Uh, I got no idea. All well, I do, but I can't say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough, dude. Doing fucking uh, sworn to secrecy. <laughs> yeah,
1: for, for myself, I like to like. I started off with um, logic samples, and they stink. And then I started using Slate Trigger, and then I didn't really like that. And now I've ended up on a thing called Addictive Trigger, and it's fucking amazing.
0: Yeah. Is that with all the sounds, the samples loaded in it?
1: Yeah. It's like, it's a lot more realistic and stuff. Like, I, I think one of my biggest, uh, like, fuck-ups within, like, um, mixing, recording and all that is not finding the appropriate sample. Like, I think that's everything. Mm. Like, you don't, want it, you don't sure. want it to sound completely different to whatever your fucking snare sounds like, you know. It should be, like... If you've got a good snare sound, then your sample should be adding to it in a nice way. Like maybe it's making it a bit thicker and there's like no, obviously no hi-hat bleeding stuff in it. And it actually works with the song rather than just trying to be like, eh, hey, I'm going to add a sample just because.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So you don't use the samples and like actually replace them. You just literally blend them.
1: It literally depends on the project, man. Like if it's, if the recording sucks, then I'm replacing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So um, some of the bands, who are you working with coming up?
1: I'm currently working with the band called Gravilia, and um, I'm about to start working with it. Basically, there's a bunch of bands in the works. You know, I've worked with this band called Damaged Goods Club. I'm working on a record for this band called Steel Wheels. Um, I've worked with Garlic Nun before. That was like my first album that I mixed and I re- engineered a bunch of that. Um, basically, like, I've st- I have started this business thinking that I was going to advertise, but it's more of a private, like, word-of-mouth sort of studio, and every time I think that I'm not going to get any work and I want to start advertising, I just get emails from bands, so, like, I'm fucking so grateful.
0: Yeah, sick, man. Well, you've done such a good job. you got, like, a resume going on, just a natural resume just from work that you've put out anyway, so it's sort of a win-win for you.
1: Yeah, exactly, but, like, you know... Um, I feel like the thing that's lacking in like this Australian like mixing recording world is some competition, and I literally want to be the fucking best mixer in Australia. So I'm like going for it, man.
0: Yeah. So you should, dude. The more you mix, I'm sure the more your name will get out there as well. Who's the exactly. leading mixer in Australia for you that you want to compete against?
1: Oh, I don't know. Anton's pretty damn fucking good, um, but I only like recently yeah. discovered him. Um, uh, it's, it's hard, man, because like, I actually want to start a podcast like you're doing, um, with Craig that's literally shining a light on like mixers and producers in Australia because the thing is, man, like unless a band posts it or you actually buy the physical copy, you don't know who the fuck's behind it. And a lot of people don't realize that without that production, without that mix, the record stinks.
0: (laughs) Mm, For sure.
1: You know what I mean? Like in America, yeah. there's so much of it. Like I just like drown myself in podcasts with all these producers and like it's so apparent but there's not a scene at all here and that's what I want to change.
0: Fucking Oats, man. Maybe there'd be a good, like a good way to start would be just trying to hit them up and just get them onto your own podcast Where, and then eventually it might just start happening. Who knows? Because there are a lot of mixes but I feel like they're more local. You know, like just local level mixes that, that aren't as that aren't doing like crazy bands where there's like, you know, massive massive fame around the band and then that word gets out and then they're like, oh, legendary producer Rick Rubin is like, it's just sort of like more of a little thing that happens behind the scenes. So you probably could change that. Like, there's room for it to to grow for sure.
1: That's what I mean. That's why I was just like so baffled how there's like not literally one podcast or like any Australian thing that talks about mixing and production here like obviously you've got a lot of educational stuff but um people like yeah the idea is to just basically do almost like song exploder style like just like talk to people about a certain song and ask them how they got the sounds and you know like make make them known because these people work their fucking asses off and most of the time they're not getting fucking royalties and they're not getting anything and they're barely even getting fucking credit and i feel like that needs to change
0: for sure that's an important part do you want to step into a producer's role or are you doing um, mixing strictly? Because production would be obviously like that, that. They would probably get credited for everything that they do. But like that would probably be the cream where you could have your own studio and then say, sick, you guys are going to do an album. Like come over, we'll, we'll nut it out, you know, Rick Rubin style and just make it all like figure out the songs, where the strengths and weaknesses are within them, record them. And then you've literally just got to mix the stuff that you were there to record as well. I reckon that'll be like the Apex kind of kind of thing. Yeah, well
1: um yeah, my um like apex is production and mixing. I like engineering and I feel like I have to wear all hats at this point, but like once I don't, I'll be happy because like if someone else understands the sounds that I want while I'm producing, then I think that's that's the best. Because another thing as well is that like if you get you can get burnt out on it if you're wearing too many hats at once, you know, it'll be like, Alright, cool, I engineered this. And say like you know a past project I didn't like the sounds and then you end up mixing it but you're actually just fixing everything not mixing it because you didn't get the source material right.
0: Yeah, for sure. I suppose you want to be there to make sure you know exactly like it's going to get done exactly the way you want it done as well. So then when you're actually editing the music, you can act, you can you know what's going on like fundamentally as opposed to just listening to something going like oh yeah sounds like that and then you got to work with it in that dynamic
1: yeah for sure but at this point man it's like i have to wear the engineer hat producer and if i'm lucky enough mixer but like yeah depends on it could be a project where it's just like i don't want to give these multi-tracks to someone because i know how badly they're recorded let me let me fix this let me mix this but yeah it's not like that anymore (laughs) um i want to try just yeah end up being just a producer and a mix engineer like i'm starting to get jobs which are just mixed jobs, and that is, that's the apex for me. That's, like, fucking so sick.
0: Nice, dude. That's awesome. Um, who, who are your favourite producers, like, of all time, if you have some? Like, just any that come to your head.
1: Um, producers? Uh, there's this guy called Sean Everett who um, has produced uh, Alabama Shakes, War on Drugs, uh, Weezer, um, this band called Big Smoke, and he's just got a certain uh, drum and bass sound that is otherworldly. Like, it's fucking out of control. He's probably one of my favorite producers. And then from there, it would go on to Brennan O'Brien, who's worked on every fucking rock record from the 2000s and all the Pearl Jam stuff. Like, if you, if you Google that guy's name, you won't find any fucking interviews with him, but you'll see his discog and you'll be like, wow, it's crazy. And then when it comes into mixes, it's more so about your, like, CLAs and TLAs and Bob Clear Mountain and I, I could go on.
0: Nice. <laughs> well, Imagine if you get, like, a yeah. little, like, like a, an internship with one of them and you could just go over to America and, and just work with them and while they record and stuff, while they mix. That would be so epic.
1: See, l- luckily enough, man, like, I'm subscribed to certain sites where I can just watch them do what they fucking do in real time. It's crazy. See, that's what I'm saying. There's so much shit in America where, like, I can end this chat right now and watch Chris Lord LG mix a fucking song and show his techniques. Like, that is crazy. That would not have happened, like, 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, for sure. Nah, it's pretty cool. Everything's live streamed as well. Plus, if it's Twitch and people can message in and they'll just be like, patreon supporters or whatever and they will just fucking sending a message and you will be like oh, yeah well, will do it like this <laughs> it's pretty pretty exactly catchy. i
1: mean with like these certain sites like i'm subscribed to one called pure mix they actually give you the fucking multi-tracks like i got given like a lot morris morriset multi-tracks the other day and like you understand how important source material is you know you you open it up and you balance it and it sounds like a fucking record like it's crazy
0: just the way that they've recorded it full stop.
1: Yeah. And that's where I'm trying to get my recordings out at the moment. Like the last two recordings I've done, I've been able to balance it and I was like, fuck, it sounds amazing the way it is. It's not like I'm just like, all right, cool. The first thing I'm going to have to do is solo everything and then I'm going to add fucking heaps of compression and fuck with this and fuck with that and sample that. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's like a, an old school approach as well because a lot of the time they would have they gone th- from the mic into like rack gear and then it's straight into the into the console and it's like mixing as you go kind of thing, which is pretty much the, like the apex of it really because then you don't have to – there's no mixing involved. It's like that's it, straight in. And then they'd master it and it'd be done. But like nowadays it's more like, okay, here's – and as well, it's tough because you don't know how to record stuff. All you get told is put a 57 in front of an amp or like try this on the drums or whatever and then all of a sudden you send it off to somebody and everyone's like, mm, that, they're fucked. <laughs> like, we've had a couple of drum recordings that we've sent off to Kyle and he's just like, fuck, oh, boy, he's, like, he's a nice guy but he's like, I don't know. I just got a vibe that he had to do a lot of work for us, like a lot of editing as well. And he ended up like out, um, outsourcing the editing so that then he could work on it without spending an excessive amount of time trying to like get it to sound to the click, you know, and so yeah. these are lessons, you know, which is like slowly learn them. But um, yeah, we have got to definitely step up the recording gap.
1: Yeah, it's like it's such a uh, like a lot of people probably don't realize it, but like you, you sort of just have to, you have to, almost know everything to know what's wrong and what's right. But the worst part is that there's no rules in recording. It's just about, it does it sound good, really. But, like, I've had so many times where I've just been absolutely depressed and, like, you know, like, people will be like, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, I'll be talking to my parents like shit. I'll be, like, real moody and stuff. And it's just like, you want to know what's fucking wrong? I'm worried about this kick and bass
0: relationship. (laughs) That is a dark, dark place to be. <laughs> when the kick drum rules your life.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crazy. But it's all fun once you get it right. Like it's just it's the most rewarding shit in the world.
0: Yeah, for sure, dude. For sure. Like, there's no better feeling than listening back to something that you've done, and you can go like, I've ne- like, there's nothing else we can do. It's perfect. Like, it's for us. It's perfect for what we like. And then you can just listen to it over and over again and it's there. It's a huge reason why we like to record shit. Like we'll write a song and then go in to the studio and just get it done. Like try not to think too much about it. We go like, yep, I like this melody. I'm feeling something from it. I like the song structure. And then go straight in and record it. Because countless times in the past, like when I was way, way younger, we, we used to do like a song and then we'd go into the band room and then we'd jam it and we'd be like, oh, it's so good. And all of us would be like vibing it. We'd just play it over and over again. And then we go to the studio and record it and then you get the mixes back and you're like, it's fucking terrible. I hate this song. And I just despise it. But now it's like now you can go in and get the, like, the song done. And if it's on, if it's coming through the speakers and it's sounding sick, like, exactly how you want to do it, then turning it into a live thing is way better of a challenge than trying to make it sound good on, on recording to me anyway.
1: Yeah, big time. I think, like, um. Another huge learning experience for me is like the way you monitor, right? So like if you're, it doesn't matter if you've got $800 speakers, if your room sounds like trash, then the room's lying to you. You know what I mean? But if you get yourself a good pair of headphones, it's like either that or your fucking reference. Like that is so fucking important. Get a reference track, not a fucking thing that you recorded in your basement, a professional quality fucking reference track and listen to how much low end they have, listen that there's all these mids and high mids and that, you know, like, because without that, you could just record something and mix it and you're just like, yeah, it sounds good to me, but you haven't listened to anything else the whole time. And then it ends up just being like, shit. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's obviously important because if you listen, if it comes on in shuffle and then you hear it, you're like, "What the fuck?" But some exactly. people, some bands people go for that. Like lofi, fi is kind of cool. Like when you when you hear a song that comes on and it's got a vibe about it. I've like separated playlists on Spotify for me where I'll have like a small one where I know I'm just chilling, nothing crazy's going on. Like phone recording quality music, I'd put it in there and it's got a vibe about it. Like there's something about even when you sit down and write one on the couch and record it on a phone, and you listen back to it, I'm like, I really like the the. the the style and vibe of it. But then when I try and translate it into an actual song, it sounds like just shit. It doesn't, it's not meant to sound hi-fi. But the argument for that one is, I reckon, is like you fall in love with the demos, you're in you're in trouble. Cause like that's how that's how you want them to be. Like you're just like, oh yeah, I love that. And then once you move it across to someplace else, you're like, mm, it's like a shit band's covering something. Like you just feel like a cover band of your own thing and it's like not very good. But Definitely, yeah. Starting off at getting them, getting them to sound good because we've done, we've made that mistake with that song "Feed Me" of ours, and it's like mm-hmm. we've heard it in a, in a playlist, and I'm like, ooh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up against other songs. It sort of sounds like, um, which that's our fault for just throwing heaps of sounds at it and wrecking the, um, wrecking like the the groove of the song. But yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. I've definitely um, witnessed that before a song being playlisted that I worked on maybe five years ago and it was just like, you know, I would have mastered it myself and like it just sounded crushed and it still wasn't loud enough. Like that's a problem as well, like with the loudness wars and stuff that has just been going on and limiting and all that sort of shit. Like a lot of people think they have to get it to a certain point, but then Spotify are going to turn it down to like minus 13 LUFs anyway.
0: True. True. So they d- literally tone it down um, even if you master it that little fraction louder.
1: Yeah, but then there's certain platforms like Apple Music, which is like the highest quality, which is why I use that. Obviously, Spotify is a better interface, but fuck them because they don't pay us enough. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like lossless audio. So, like, um, it's that's even lower. So that's like minus nine, which is crazy. So, like, usually most masters will... Go between like minus sixteen, minus thirteen. Anything louder than that, it's starting to get to like pop territory. But um
0: yeah. Why is pop louder? It is loud.
1: I can't tell you, it's just it's just loud. I mean back back in the day, like I think it was like when Brick Wall Limiting came into place like Oasis wanted to make their records sound louder than everybody else on the radio, and they did that, and then like after that it was just fucked. <laughs>
0: Whole yeah, I wish I had a, I had a better
1: stuff for um, yeah, why it's so loud, but I can't really tell you. But all I'm just saying at the end of this is louder is not necessarily <laughs> – fucking up. Louder is not necessarily <laughs> better.
0: Yeah. Well, sick, man. I was going to ask you what the future plans are for yourself yeah. as a mixer and loser as a band.
1: Just eat heaps of Subway, I reckon.
0: <laughs> is this an endorsement? Are we, are we splitting the money?
1: <laughs> nah, this is not endorsed by Subway at all. Eat fresh.
0: Are you endorsed um, by Fender? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I am not. Um, uh, future plans? Yeah. Uh, Keep writing fucking good music, uh, shine a light on all the people that work their fucking ass off in the production mixing scene and at the same time become the best mixer I can possibly be and, yeah, throw my name out there.
0: Good on you, man. I hope you you well. I'm going to love you and leave you now. But yeah, Cheers, brother. You fucking thank it. You so much for the chat.
1: And it was so cool to, you know, not chat about, oh, what's your favourite food? Like, You know, we're talking about the real shit that (laughs) doesn't really get mentioned. It's fucking, I love it, dude. I love what you're doing, and I'm fucking proud and stoked for you.
0: Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll catch up with you soon. Love you, Timmy.
1: All right. Peace.